The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition of First and 12 right here, KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, on a conference weekend, though, we're just going to be over on the KSL Sports Zone. But guess where we always are? Always on your podcast platforms, wherever you find your fine podcasts. Uh, download it, subscribe, tell a friend, teach your neighbor about the Big 12. I don't know if they know, Mitch, but BYU is in the Big 12. I don't know if that's a headline you maybe want to share with a friend if they don't know already. Uh, and BYU, of course, got their first win in Big 12 play, and we appreciate you joining the program. Yes, I'm Alex Curie. Uh, Mitch Harper across the ether here uh, doing the program. I know it's a lot of uh, a long weekend for both you and I of doing a lot of content here, but it's so much dang fun, Mitch, and especially this Big 12 and the first and 12 endeavor that we have going on here. And one of our favorite segments, uh, I'm going to let you kick it off, man, because we, we love doing these power rankings. So uh, uh, without further ado, let's get into the power rankings. Let's get this thing going. The Big 12 Power Rankings Big Board. A weekly rank of all 12 programs from the elite to the bottom dwellers. All right. Easiest one. I'm going to take the easiest one. Texas, number one, 40 to 14 over Kansas this week, Mitch. Uh, proving, of course, once again that. Uh, they have not been disproven as that top of the list. Everybody's waiting for them to fall because that seems to be what Texas does. But, uh, man, Steve Sarkeesian, former BYU quarterback, still getting it done for the uh, Longhorns, man. They're really good. They, they've got a, a toughness factor to them that they just haven't had in years. First time they're starting 5-0 and since 2009 when they went to the national championship game. Ooh. So they're off to a great start, the Longhorns are, this season. Number two in the power rankings I think is pretty easy, too. And I know Big 12 fans don't want to hear these two at the top, but that's what it is right now. <laughs> Oklahoma sitting at number two, and you know their offense is pretty dynamic. And the thing is is that you know Brett Venables is getting the luxury now of also giving reps to their future star quarterback at at at, uh, at quarterback as well. So Dylan Gabriel has been outstanding. He had 366 yards. The defense with Danny Stutzman at linebacker, they continue to be a lot better than I think people like myself expected them to be. They're off to a 5-0 start, and they deserve to be at number two right now. Chris Clayman and his uh, Kansas State Wildcats staying at number three for this week on their bye week. They've got an interesting one because they're going to go to Stillwater. This could be one that, uh, of course, if you are a – Oklahoma State fan, you've got this one marked on your calendar because you've got to figure out a way to reel in your season. And if Kansas State comes in and, and rolls you and you are not ready for this one and you had a little bit of time to, to get ready for it uh, coming up next week, Kansas State's really good still, and I think that Oklahoma State could be uh, absolutely punched to the very, very, very bottom of these of these power rankings again if they do not show up next week against Kansas State. Uh, next up on Kit. your uh, power rankings, give us what you got here, buddy. Yeah, and I think with Kansas State too, the resume is not great thus far, but I think yeah. that it, there's a there's a spying in the stock to what they can be still because they're defending Big 12 champs. Number four, Kansas. Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting in that game against Texas, Alex. They had that third quarter. It, they were down 20 to 14, and they go for it on their own 36 yard line, fourth down, 
seemed like a risky spot, but I get the thought by Lance Leipold because their defense couldn't stop Texas. Texas didn't punt the entire game, but that moment, fumbling that ball on fourth down, swung all momentum to Texas because after Jason Bean connected on that 54-yard touchdown pass, Kansas was right there, and they were right there without Jalen Daniels yeah. at quarterback. So I'm still buying Kansas. I think they still got explosive playmakers. I like the secondary still. They just went up against kind of this out-of-this-world team and by Big 12 standards with Texas. I still like what the Jayhawks can be, and they could be a team, Alex, that could get back to Arlington and have a rematch against the Longhorns. I'm buying on, on the Jayhawks still. Yeah, and, you know, they've lost to – their one loss is to the best team in the conference – it was certainly one that, you know, you don't go, what a great loss. What you do say is, uh, man, they ran into that buzzsaw, and it was down in Texas, yeah. and they're 4-1. and one. Now, we get to a weird spot here because the middle of this conference, is, the middle of these rankings, if you were to say five weeks into the season that we would have BYU at number five, we would have said, okay, how bad are the teams behind them? How, bad are the te- how good are the teams in front of them? But – BYU is 4-1 and one going into their bye week, and we put them there ahead of the teams that we did because of, of, of the way that they're winning this and because it's not even that they're playing their best football right now, but there are surprising people, and I do think they're even surprising their fan base a little bit, Mitch. And I think they've also got one of the better quarterbacks right now in the Big 12. I mean, Quinn Ewers is at the top, and Dylan Gabriel's up there, and Jalen Daniels. and, yep. and, and that, but, but I think Keaton Slovis is in that next group. Of QBs, he's done a really nice job, and I think that you know BYU is actually having stars emerge on the defensive side with Tyler Batty, with Max Tooley, uh, Eddie Heckard, who seems to kind of be on this weird snap count. I got to find out more on that because he's rotating in and out a lot more than I expected. But still, when he's out there and healthy, he's playing at a high level. So BYU is doing enough, and how long does it last? We'll see. But they definitely deserve to be in this five spot. Number six, another surprise team, West Virginia, after a big win over TCU. Yeah, and why not? I mean, uh, again, we're in the middle of this. Uh, we're we're f- five games into the season, Mitch. And I, I definitely had West Virginia at least in that sixth spot at this point. I know everybody else did, too. We had them firmly at 14 <laughs> when the season started, dude. And now they've climbed their way up. They're the biggest surprise in terms of a shift across, uh, uh, you know, up those up these scales. And Neil Brown and his guys proving us wrong, and, and I'm having it, man. I love all that. Yeah, I think it's well-deserved. And I, to, to my credit, uh, Alex, I did in my preseason ballot – had them at 11. So, hey, Neil Brown, don't come at me. I, I oh. believed in you a little bit, a little bit. I thought you were going to be 11th place good, but, man, they're, <laughs> doing, they're doing a nice job. The Mountaineers are, that's for sure. Uh, TCU at 7. That's about right. That's, this is where we start to fall off a little bit because the chasm between 7 to 8, I think, is really massive, Mitch. And TCU, they have two losses. I don't think they're bad, bad. But I don't think they're as bad as the teams that are directly behind them in this poll. That's what This is where it really starts to get a little bit sticky. It does. Number eight, Texas Tech, who got a nice win over an old Southwest Conference rival. They, they love having Houston back in the Big 12. Texas Tech does. It felt like a kind of a natural matchup. But, uh, you know, Tech still, I, I'm kind of not sold completely on them after the slow start. They've had a tough schedule, though. That's I do give them credit right. for that. But uh, uh, eight sitting at Texas Tech, I'm still believing a little bit of their their talent overall but there was a little bit of a, there was a lot more care factor than i was expecting last this yesterday in that game against Houston so that gave me a little bit of promise to put them at 8 dude you're like an honorary texan you're always bringing up the southwest the, oh that's an old southwest conference <laughs> matchup it's like 
my papa telling me like that's just Southwest <laughs> Conference matchup. I mean that it's it, it rings true for me. I love it. Baylor at number nine. Now, uh, I don't know what I think about this Baylor uh, about this uh, this Baylor team because getting the win over over Central Florida over UCF was an absolute. Uh, like, I mean, it was a shock because they were down by four touchdowns going into the fourth quarter. So I guess they can climb up to nine. I really have no idea nine through about 12 where these teams really should be. It's a, it's a mishmash of, of teams that I have no clue what they're doing, but why not? Baylor got a huge win. Dave Aranda and his guys could have pulled themselves out of the depths of, uh, of football held for this week with a win like that. Had they had they lost thirty five to seven, I mean Dave Aranda was his seat would have been scorching hot. Yes. I don't even think they would have wanted him back in Waco. Him and Grimes, Jeff Grimes would have been fired or not mm. fired, but people have been wanting that to happen because that would have been inexcusable to lose to a Big Twelve newcomer right. in that fashion. You know that's something to keep in mind. These Big Twelve newcomers, as we look at number ten on the power rankings, UCF, who takes a big tumble last week. They were number six, but none of these newcomers yet have beat any of the legacy members. The only newcomer to win so far is BYU, but that was against Cincinnati. So who's going to get that first win over a legacy member of the Big Twelve? It it looked like it was going to be UCF, but then they squandered that opportunity. I think there are a lot of folks who might have problems with number eleven where we put Cincinnati this week. And I think and I could understand what their arguments could be. However, Cincinnati is a three loss team now. Mm-hmm. And uh and it's not that they, you know everyone talked this past week, Mitch, about how great of a loss that was against Oklahoma at home last week <laughs> at Nippert Stadium. And I hate those types of arguments. And they go into Provo and they get beat again. This is like a team that it was definite that definitely does not know what their identity is right now, and despite all the yardage and the balance on offense, they can't get wins. That's a real problem. It, it definitely is, and and I think number twelve Iowa State they've got a lot of problems, and you know what? To their credit, Alex, I think Iowa State has been a little bit more competitive and better than I was expecting after all the gambling scandals, and their offense is a little bit better too than I was expecting. Rocco Beck, at quarterback, is a young signal caller, going to be a good one for, I think, Iowa State in the future, but uh, that future's not now, and they, they got steamrolled by Oklahoma. We expected that, but I, I think Iowa State, they, they're going to get someone uh, in that top six of these power rankings, who that is, well, we don't know yet. But they're they're gonna they're gonna hit get, get, trump, tumble someone uh, in an upset game at, at some point this season. I think BYU fans hoping that's not in Provo when the Cyclones come to town. Yeah. Now this one we fought over a little bit, and I think by knowing what number thirteen is, you can deduce what fourteen is. But we uh, ultimately ended up with Houston at thirteen. They were just not awful enough to overcome the awfulness that is the bye week that Oklahoma State had. I still think that Oklahoma State is in a lost uh, moment here. and So that's why we put Houston at 13, and I'm going to stick to that one. i got to see Oklahoma State do something more. I think the only thing that makes me pause on on Oklahoma State at fourteen, I think it's it's fair. There's no question. I maybe I'm just buying into Gundy, you know, like I because that guy he always gets to bowl games, right? I mean, it, it I can't almost mentally fathom a Mike Gundy coach Oklahoma State team being in the worst spot in the league. But to this point, you're right. I mean that that loss to South Alabama was so embarrassing a couple weeks ago, and then to lose to Iowa State. And they, they let they let Iowa State go off for an offensive explosion. So right. I think yeah, Oklahoma State deserves to be there at fourteen. But oh, Houston is right there, and I I, I kind of don't know where Houston stands. You know, Dana Holgerson's very been very vocal that he's not on the hot seat, he's not getting fired. But 
man, you, you gotta you gotta put out a better product. I just feel like they're too inconsistent. They they had a an uptick in offensive production this past weekend, which was good, but. Uh, they've got to start putting together some wins and because I feel like that Tillman for Tita is going to be impatient and he's going to want to see more results. All right, so there you have it. Our power rankings for week five. BYU's at four and one. They're at number five in our power rankings, and I think that's a pretty good spot for them. Uh, let's take another break right here. We will come back. We've got a bunch going on this hour. Of course, you're going to be able to hear our, our, uh, our whip around of sound that we do in the Big 12. You're going to be able to get your, your regional fix on the four corners and see where everybody is uh, across the conference uh, not just here but across the conference that is going to be a part of the Big 12 next year it's all coming up right here on first and 12 right here 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone also heard on KSL News Radio most Sundays but not on a conference weekend Mitch Harper Alex Curry join us right around the corner Big 12 Sound Roundup Check one, two. the best bites cheap shots and excuses from Saturday's post-game news conferences Hey, this is Mike on. Check one, two. Check one, two. Hey, first and 12, we're on. We're always on. Every Sunday, <laughs> we're live. Coming to you here on the KSL Sports Zone. Yeah, check, check, check. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> Mike, check one, two. One, two. My uh, goodness. Usually, we're on KSL News Radio as well, but this week, we got an extreme going on. But, of course, if you're listening on podcasts as well, we appreciate wherever and however you're listening to the show. Mitch Harper and Alex Curie here with you on 1st and 12 every Sunday. And right now we always break down the Big 12 Sound Roundup. It's brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store. Happy shopping. And in the Big 12 Sound Roundup, we always kind of get a check-in with some of these other coaches and and players. And one of the ones we got to check in this week is Steve Sarkeesian. I think, first of all, uh, this was a good team win for us. You know, we keep talking about being versatile and finding different ways. And uh, I thought today was another – just a good example of that, you know, obviously the balance on offense was really critical for us, you know, something coming into the game that I had talked to the, to the guys about, like, let's be really balanced today. Let's, let's run it the way we're capable of running it. Let's throw it. Um, and, and then find those completions. And I thought we made some nice adjustments from a staff perspective that way. Um, and anytime you can have, you know, you can throw for over 300, uh, you can rush for over 300 and have a 200-yard rusher and have two receivers basically have 100 yards receiving. That's good balance. The ball was getting spread around the right way today. I uh, thought we were very efficient. Um, and although we really didn't throw the ball over their head, we found explosive plays. We remained explosive as an offense today, uh, which was good. I thought defensively, we played a really good game. They, they hit two plays. They, you know, they, 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 we had a little issue with the option game. They, they were running some triple option at us that, that we had to adjust to. And that was the first touchdown, you know, although there was a fumble involved, but that's really what the first touchdown was. And then they hit the big post for the, for the touchdown off of, a, off of a tempo play. But outside of that, well, our defense really played, played really well again. You know? And I think what they were able to do on third down and fourth down I think against a team that was either number one or number two in the country on third down conversions to hold them to 0 for 8, 0 for 2 on fourth down uh, was was really good football. And then, and then, you know, in the end, I thought we started really well offensively um, and we were moving the ball. We just had our sputters, you know, as we would as we kind of in, approached the red area. And then you know, we missed a couple field goals in there. Um, but the common theme is the way we finished. Uh, I thought the second half we played really good football and finished a couple critical drives there in the fourth quarter. So uh, all in all, um, I'm proud of the guys. It was a heck of a win against a good football team. 
Uh, great environment at DKR again, uh, under the circumstances with the weather the way it was. Great environment. And um, we set ourselves up for, uh, for an awesome opportunity next week. Steve, in regards to your team facing circumstances that maybe they weren't expecting during the week, you've talked about the need for them to trust their training. Could you talk about your defense's performance given the surprise start by uh, Jason Beanison and Jalen Daniels? Yeah, I mean, you just adjust. You know, and once we kind of had an idea that, that Daniels wasn't going, the reality of Kansas, they're going to run their scheme. They're going to run their system. And, and Jason Bean is, is more than capable. He's played a lot of football. He's a really athletic guy. And that the triple option became a real factor because of his speed and, and defending him on that. Um, but, but again, we had to defend the scheme um, you know, because of the, you know, the quarterback wasn't, there wasn't such a skill set difference. You know? And so, um, like I said, I thought we defended him really well. Uh, but the triple was an issue. Um, you don't see that all the time, and, and Kansas gets to it each week a different way, and uh, they got to it on us uh, in that first half and, and caused some issues for us. Uh, Coach, how's uh, Sanders doing? Uh, I don't know if you saw what happened. And also, how did a guy like uh, a Mitchell step up to kind of compensate for Sanders being out? Well, uh, he got rolled up. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're hopeful we're going to get him back by next week. Um, you know, it's going to – how does he respond? You know, it's not anything that we think is truly a structural. It's not a broken bone or a torn ligament or something. But how bodies respond is how they respond, you know. And so I know our medical staff, and he will do all the work that they can to get him as healthy as they can uh, and see if he's going to be able to play or not next week. We'll find out. Um, we just didn't feel like I was, you know, we kind of watched him run on the sidelines, and we just didn't feel like it was going to be in his best interest to, to put him back out there in kind of the state that he was in. <clears throat> um, you know, the, the, with AD, you know, I, I think today was a great example. You know, Xavier continues to garner so much attention. And um, when, when you can have another receiver opposite him catch 10 balls for 141, uh, and then all of a sudden, Xavier, we, we keep trying to find ways to get him completions and find one-on-one. -on -one, and it's seven attempts to Xavier, and he catches seven balls. You know, when that number a year ago never really used to look like that you know for Xavier to catch seven balls last year it would take about 14 or 15 attempts in his direction because everybody knew we had to throw it there so now all of a sudden when you have a complimentary receiver on the other side I think sooner or later people are going to start paying more attention to number five and then and now with the, with JT and with with Jordan and now the running game with with Jonathan running the way he's running now we've got a, a really good variety of players that that ball can get spread around to there you go that's Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian after the Longhorns take down Kansas big win for them the player that he was referring to they got injured Jatavion Sanders he went down with an injury heralded tight end star player for them so that's something to monitor for the Longhorns but as you also heard A.D. Mitchell steps up Xavier Worthy Texas Longhorns Alex they are loaded right now that's why they're the top team in yeah the 12. yeah and scary too to think that BYU is going to start up their October after their bye week this next week going down to TCU hosting Texas Tech and then rounding out the month down in Texas it's mm. a full Texas month uh, for BYU <laughs> and it is I mean that's a you know, you think about it though. Now you go, okay, BYU fans go TCU may be gettable. Well, certainly a lot more gettable yeah. than they were last year, and certainly a lot more gettable than you may have thought at the beginning of the year. Texas Tech is coming to Provo. That's one that you for sure feel like you could be able to uh, to, to steal away from uh, the Red Raiders. Going down to DKR, I can just hear those Texans by one of them when they go the roll. <laughs> 
coming into Roll. It's not even Royal Stadium. It's Roll Stadium. So this is absolute. Like Texas is is killer right now, and Sark has his guys going. They haven't been shaken at all yet, and that win over Alabama since then, that team is absolutely rolling. All right, uh, there's Steve Sarkeesian. There's our sound roundup from around the conference. Big win, of course, for Texas, who stays at the top of our power rankings. Let's take the break here. We will get our uh, our full-on – you ready for this? It's our, it's our whip around, uh, Mitch. We're going to get, of course, to the rest of the region – and the four corners whip around of all the teams who are going to be joining the Big 12 next year and how the teams fared here. Locally, not a lot of happy uh, Ute fans around here. So we'll get to it. Stay right here with us. It's First and 12 on KSL News Radio and also on the KSL Sports Zone. Stay with us. The four corners whip around. Whip around. We check on future Big 12 opponents and rivals from the four corners. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It is first and 12, rolling along here on a Sunday. Thanks for being with us, Alex Curie, Mitch Harper, your BYU insider for KSLSports.com. I, of course, host uh, Unrivaled during the weeks on the KSL Sports Zone, 3 to 6. Scott Mitchell and myself. There's going to be a lot of talk this uh, next week of a lot of things, not the least of which is going to be the BYU win, of course, over Cincinnati, their first conference win. And then you juxtapose that with the feelings from Ute fans. Our whip around, of course, uh, involves the teams that are here, uh, that are going to join the Big 12 next season. And, of course, Utah at the top of that list for the ones that were probably going to come in and be contenders immediately. And I think right now everybody's wondering what's going on, Mitch, because you have this Utah offense that without Cam Rising, and even if it, and there's this little feeling there of even if Cam Rising were to come back, there's an identity on that offense that is non existent. And it's some of the worst offensive output we've seen in recent history for this Utah team who gets obliterated by Oregon State two nights ago on a Friday night. And it was it's just about as bad of a loss as you could have had, certainly for a number 10 team in the country. No question. I mean, that, that was one of the worst offensive performances I've seen from a Utah team. I, I, I honestly go back to about 2007. I don't know if you remember this, when Kyle Whittingham was early in his tenure, and he always points to it as the turnaround in his program when they got shut out against UNLV. Remember that in the Mountain West era? That, that to me, was what they did on Friday night was probably the worst offensive output I've seen from a Utah team since that game in 07. I mean, that was just terrible on all fronts. And they didn't have answers from Nate Johnson, Bryson Barnes. He had to get hospitalized. Thank goodness, though, he was able to travel home and and be with the team. I'm glad it wasn't too intense from that standpoint where he'd have to stay – uh, you know, it continues to stay up in the Pacific Northwest, but Utah's offense is just anemic right now, and there, there's no answers in sight. And I don't even know – you're at the point now through five games where if you don't have – you know, Cam Rising, when he does come back, uh, is he going to just suddenly change the fortunes of this group? I I don't know, Alex. This is – that was a tough setback. It felt like a much a, – a, uh, a must-win – for Utah because the schedule is only going to get tougher with how good the yeah. Pac-12 is this year. Yeah, and I think that that is the mat that that's the giant question right now that Utah fans have is uh, is there any way to turn this thing back around? I I think there's a segment of people who go, no, yeah, as soon as Cam Rising comes back, uh, you know, fire it back up from last year and the year before, they're right back to being Pac-12 championship contenders. I do know that the that. The injury is actually way more complicated. It was so hard to try to ask everybody to 
just go, yeah, yeah, just be ready for this guy to come back after eight months. And the reality is is that healing timelines are never going to be what you think they're going to be. Sometimes they're quicker, sometimes they're slower. And in a case like this, you don't want to get them back too quick. Uh, I've also heard that the family is not really excited about just trying to trot him out quicker than he needs to go out. And so I think that that's part of it as well. You have to figure out what this kid's future looks like on top of, you know, balancing uh, being right to be able to win for your team. But, you know, he's an ultimate competitor. I know Cam wants to get out there and play. But Utah right now, I mean, they're good. The, the good thing for them is they have a bye week as well. Try to figure some things out. And then they welcome Cal into Salt Lake. And, and Cal's not a – an easy out like a like like an Arizona State team would be, or like Arizona from a few years ago would be, uh, but at least it's not USC Week Six. Uh, it is going to be uh, USC down at the Coliseum for Game Number Seven of the year, and and I'm telling you, it's dangerous, Mitch, to circle another date. Everyone's been doing it for every week. All right, circle that one for when Cam comes back, and it's a hard it's a hard thing to try to predict. So it's a, it's it's a really difficult place for Utah and Utah fans to be in right now. Well, and I think it's also just difficult when, you know, you think Utah football, you think they're always going to have a stud in the backfield uh, running running the rock. And the ground game just struggled completely against Oregon State. And Oregon State, you know, they were, they were well equipped to handle Utah in the trenches. So that didn't come as a complete surprise. I mean, Oregon State was the favorite in this game. But you thought, you know, you're bringing back Johnny Maia on the offensive line. You're going to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more manpower there. They're going to have a better performance. But, uh, you know, the ground game was just stalled. Only 57 rush yards. Uh, that's, you just never expect that from Utah. And, you know, Jalen Glover was the leading guy. After that, there wasn't much. So that, there's got to be some real real answers soon. And, and I'm, I'm curious to see what Andy Ludwig uh, you know, kind of what his next steps are, because when you look at his tenure, the second go round here at Utah, it's been as good as it's been for Utah football offensively since honestly, I can remember. I mean, it was always year after year, which just canning OCs and moving on from guys because he can't get it right. That, yeah. That's never been a question because Ludwig has been churning out great offenses that are playing in New Year's six bowls. What's his next step here? What's his next move? Because right now there's just no answers. Yeah, uh, the, the the stretch you're talking about, it was seven years, seven different uh, OCs uh, for Utah in that program. Uh, Colorado, it looked like it was going to be another bloodbath like it was last week against Oregon, but uh, USC took their foot off the gas and decided to uh, help out Shudor Sanders and company. USC only wins by a touchdown after they were leading 41 to seven at one point, 48 to 41. Colorado made a game out of it, and uh, Deion Sanders afterward, I know it's a shock, and I actually like this attitude. He goes, you know what? Uh, you're a hater if you just don't see what we are able to do. Uh, they can do something, but I think it's also an indictment on that USC defense, which we all know has been su- we all know has been suspect. Yeah, how Alex Grinch is still employed at USC <laughs> is just beyond me. But you, once again, with Colorado, you see – They've got studs at the skill positions. I mean, they, they've got a lot of star power receiver. And, you know, if these guys and, and Coach Prime stays next year into, you know, year one of the Big 12, man, they're going to have, uh, you know, pack a serious punch uh, on offense. But I, there's just so many questions on, along the in the trenches for Colorado. They, they, they look small on the offensive line when you watch them. They just look kind of outclassed. And, and USC has – elite defensive linemen that you know have a knack for creating a pass rush but they they didn't have 
uh, you know, as much success as I was expecting, at least in the second half when they were up big. And, you know, credit to Colorado for having that fight. And I think that's a – honestly, it's a testament to Coach Prime because you would think, you know, the Dan Lanning commentary about them where they're just all about clicks and they're all about views. Well, they're not going to be any sort of tough and resilient when adversity hits them. The, the credit to them for being a, a little bit resilient and, and trying to fight back and get get back into it instead of finger pointing. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. I, I just don't know how many more games they're going to win because this isn't you know a typical Pac-12 where you know it's a melting pot of eight and four. That's more the Big 12 this year. Uh, you know, if it was a typical year in the Pac-12, Colorado would be better equipped to you know be you know in the running to be you know near the top of the league, but not this year. And, and I think if they can get to a bowl game. They're still well on their way to towards getting that, but anything more than that would be a hard expectation for Coach Prime in year one. I know it's sad to say, but I don't think that I saw the crowd filling up uh, the stadium in Berkeley uh, today. Arizona State and Cal. I mean, Cal's three and two on the year. I guess you don't want to, you know, make too much fun. But Kenny Dillingham and his guys. Another game where there was hard fought, but. I just don't think they're equipped to win right now, uh, Mitch. It's just not looking good for those guys. Well, and what's the motivation, too? I mean, they, they just seem – they had their season swept up, you know, under from under them day, days mm-hmm. before the season kicked off. They're not playing for a bowl game. We knew they were going to be bad to begin with. They have so many issues at quarterback with all the injuries. And and I think, again, too, I, I, I can't understate it, but when you look at the, the, the top of that university, Michael Crow, the president, the AD, Ray Anderson – People don't want them in involved with their decision making. I mean, the right. fans at, at Arizona State want all of them gone. They felt like they kind of bungled the you know conference realignment, whole clinging to the Pac-12 as long as they did. Whereas you know Arizona was a little bit more uh, forward thinking and, and looking at their you know Big 12 options. Where you know Arizona State seemed to resent the idea yeah. of being in the Big 12. Well, now they're coming to the league and and they don't seem like they're building any sort of momentum when they do get here in year one. On the flip side, you have Arizona, who gave Washington on uh, last night pretty much as much of a game as they've had yeah. in a long time. Uh, the Wildcats score late again, and then uh, Washington has to eat that one out, thirty-one twenty-four down there in Tucson. So I like what uh, I like what Jed Fish is doing. We've liked it for the last couple of years, and it's finally starting to to kind of bear fruit here. That's a three and one Arizona team. They're by far going to be the best team coming out of uh, out of Arizona next year into the Big Twelve. Well, and they had Noah Fafita in at quarterback and, you know, put up some good numbers, three touchdowns, 232 through the air. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jed Fish, I, I like what he's doing personnel-wise, and he's killing it on the recruiting trail too. I mean, he's getting in the mix for some five stars. And when you can do that, you you can be a team that in the Big 12 who doesn't have many five stars coming into this league on the recruiting trail – yeah, Arizona, I, I you know, I, I wonder what the timeline is because I feel like there's a lot less patience to build things in college football now. But Jed Fish, it seems like he has a little bit more autonomy than most coaches. He's doing it right. And I think he's he's building a program that is going to be well, uh, you know, a, a, a threat to be, you know, a seven, eight win team in year one in the Big 12. Mitch, let's take uh, another break here. We'll come back and we'll go through our full schedule of what the Big 12 is going to be. Next week, uh, lots of teams taking a, uh, some bye weeks, including BYU. Uh, but, of course, one of the biggest games in the history of the conference and certainly one that everybody's going to have their eye on. We'll talk about that as well. 
Uh, Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, all brought to you by the folks at Macy's. Happy shopping. Thanks for being with us. More to go. First and 12 next right here. 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone on KSL News Radio. Can't get enough BYU football? Listen to Cougar Nation. Mitch Harper takes your calls Monday nights from 6 to 7 on KSL News Radio. Podcast at KSLNewsRadio.com. Join us tomorrow night. Cougar Nation taking those phone calls to react to the weekend that was for BYU and and some Big 12 talk as well, myself and, and Matt Biamonte. Right now, though, first and 12, we got to put a bow on this show. Myself, Alex Keery here, looking ahead to what's next in the Big 12, Alex. It's going to be a big week, week six, with Red River being the highlight. Yeah, you know, that's one that when I was a kid growing up in that DFW area, you know, everybody cleared out. I mean, it, it, you just, you go... I mean, you knew you had friends that that, uh, that were coming down from Oklahoma. You had friends who were coming up from Austin, and that's as big of a game. And this one means something extra because it's the last time that, of course, they're going to be playing this one as members of the Big Twelve. And it's going to kind of be this little. They're going to have their little wry smiles on, right? Brent Venables and and Sark kind of winking at each other at the middle of the field, you know, before the game to go. Oh, well, we don't have to deal with this for very much longer, do we? And if that conversation isn't happening. At least people are thinking that it's happening. And so, uh, obviously, that one uh, at the fairgrounds there or near the fairgrounds, of course, in, in Texas now is a really fun one. And, uh, boy, I'm there for it because I think – was it last year that Oklahoma got beat 49-0? to It, it was yes. – it, it is just – Oklahoma does not lose that game to Texas by those margins. It was a historic loss. And uh, I'll tell you, Oklahoma fans, it's the only thing that Texas and Oklahoma talk to each other about uh, across X these days. And so I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. You ever go to a game at, at the Cotton Bowl? Absolutely. And we used to actually go to the actual Cotton Bowl for the Cotton Bowl game as well on January 1st. My dad would nice. be like, you know what? There's an actual game here. So we'd see the what they used to call the Red River Shootout. Can't say shootout anymore. So uh, the Red River Ravelry. Red River Showdown or whatever they want to call it now. Either way, uh, we went to a couple of those games because you'd go to the fair and then you'd go to the game. It was it was quite a it was quite a day, and you go take a picture in front of Big Tex. It's a it's a fun deal there. Kick it off on Saturday for the Red River is 10 a.m. on ABC, but the Big 12 action actually starts up on Friday. It's a little bit lighter scheduled this week, Alex, because four teams are on buys. That includes BYU, Cincinnati. Houston and West Virginia, all of them are sidelined this week. So the action kicks off on Friday night, Kansas state at Oklahoma state, 5 30 PM on ESPN weeknight games can always be hurdles for the favorites. Does Oklahoma state give any sort of threat to K state? You think, you know, I almost hope not. (laughs) I mean, just because I want some teams to just be who they are now, right? Like I want there to be some definition and I think Kansas State is a really, really good team. And I think Oklahoma State is not a good team. And I kind of want that to sort of play out, you know, uh, next week. And, and and we'll see. I can't imagine that Kansas State would suddenly show up there and, and, and fumble it. But you know what? Maybe they do. I don't – we don't know. Like you said, I think earlier in the, in the program, Mitch, it's like this thing has brought us so many weird games so far across this conference uh, – and so many kind of head scratchers. I mean, who sees Texas Tech and Baylor at two and three matching up <laughs> against one another next week? Nobody had them coming in with a combined six losses uh, going into the first week of October. And you know, even TCU at three and two facing off against Iowa State at two and three. Uh, I mean, 
those two teams are both looking at each other, and they're looking in the mirror, and they don't know who they are. And so maybe the best game of the entire week besides the shootout or besides the rivalry is that UCF and Kansas game uh, because that's, again, a newcomer to the Big 12 in UCF showing up down, uh, in Lawrence to take on Kansas. Kansas going to be trying to earn their way back into the top 25. And so there's at least some intrigue aside from, you know, the big one, of course, is going to be played in Dallas. And I think something that's kind of underrated that's noteworthy in next week's schedule, the Big 12 kind of flexes, I think, what the future is going to look like from a consumer standpoint where your games are on ABC, ESPN, Fox, ESPN2. I mean, this is going to be kind of the go-to when you get into the thick of league play. I mean, some of these games for people outside the Big 12 footprint, you probably think uh, they maybe don't move the needle as much, but still these linear partners that are tied with the Big 12, they're going to throw them on good spots. So I think it's a little bit of a tease of what you're going to see mm-hmm. in the future when those four corner schools join because a lot of good visibility spots for a UCF in Kansas to kind of step in and, and really put on a good product for to kind of, kind of capture that national audience, which is something that's big for Brett Yormark. If you're BYU, if you're a BYU fan, what game is the most intriguing for you because you're waiting on TCU? They're going to Ames to take on the Cyclones there. And I, I mean, are you watching TCU with a, a lot of uh, peaked interest? You're also going to be taking on Texas Tech the week after that. Uh, which one intrigues BYU fans you think the most? I think there's this for BYU fans. I think they tend to always be drawn to teams that they already played. So I think this Kansas infatuation, I think, you know, because there's still that old school mindset of we got to have Kansas win out to make our game. Our loss look somewhat good, (laughs) even though that doesn't matter at all anymore. Really? Does it though? It doesn't matter anymore. Cause like I still, it is funny because people will go, I want Kansas to win the rest of the year. And their fans were so nice to us when we were out there and like, you guys don't, don't do this low self-esteem thing. Let, let Kansas go back to being Kansas again at some point in football. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean basketball, they're gonna just run the league. So yes. it's like they can't be good in football too. No, no, I think they'll I think they'll be ex- excited for that UCF Kansas, but I think TCU Iowa State in the nightcap, six PM, uh, just to kinda I, I think BOE fans are very excited to rekindle something with TCU, even though I don't think TCU really cares for BYU at all. Uh, I think that BYU fans, you know, romanticize that, that old rivalry that they had in the mountain West. And they'd like to see that be something again and, and to have it be, you know, two weeks away. I think they'll have a closer eye on TCU this weekend. With BYU in a bye week, who legitimately does have the possibility of getting right again, who we maybe haven't seen. Is Cody Epps going to be able to be a guy? Is he close enough, do you think, Mitch, on that injury side of things? He's been such a an enigma when it comes to being available and not so far. You only saw him for you know a half a second in that Arkansas game, it seemed like, and then since then we just haven't seen Cody Epps. Is that an injury that's close enough, do you think, or what other guys could be while you'd be getting back after this bye week? Yeah, I think Cody Epps is getting closer, but I think what Aaron Roderick said was pretty, you know, out there and in in, in make, making it clear of where they stand with Epps and that injury, they're proceeding as though he's not around mm. uh, until further notice. So I don't. I think if they get him back, it's a complete bonus. Uh, Parker Kingston, I would expect, is going to get a lot more snaps next week. He he had a few uh, snaps against Cincinnati, but I think he'll take on a bigger role. You know, there's optimism. Waylon Lapwal could be back for the TCU game. Uh, I saw him, you know, going through the Cougar walk. He wasn't, you know, jumping around or anything, but he was with the team. Right. Uh, Aiden Robbins, it'll be interesting to see what his situation is because I think that injury uh, is something that 
Uh, you want to get him back. I know they had, you know, Miles Davis showed well in his limited opportunities against Cincinnati. I think you need more options beyond just the the heralded freshman and LJ Martin. You need another, uh, you know, bruising back, and that could be Aiden Robbins, but he's just never been right. Uh, and they don't even know exactly when he suffered the injury. Uh, they're, not, they're not disclosing. So, uh, but, you know, well, he'll be another one to monitor. But I think BYU – uh, the one that, uh, you know, timeline that could be longer is Ben Bywater. You know, when you're dealing with a shoulder, I mean, we saw what happened with Thule and Bywater, who was dealing with the shoulder before in spring, they yeah. missed all of the offseason. And, you know, that's something, again, that he's dealing with. So that's one where I, 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 I struggle to imagine he's going to be ready for TCU. But as Jay Hill said, it's at the, they're classifying as day-to-day at the moment. We're going to be back again next week, of course, with another first and 12. And this one will be – uh, in reaction to all the games that did happen, the ones we just talked about, we'll break those down and then we'll be able to preview the week uh, back again as BYU is going to come off of that bye week and go down to Ammon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. And so uh, it'll be fun to, to chop that one up. Mitch, awesome week, man. BYU's got their first win in Big 12. I don't know if we mentioned this, but BYU had the biggest crowd in 14 years at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That was a pretty awesome deal for them. Yeah, Cougar Nation showed up in a big way for that Big 12 home opener and I think that's got to make the Big 12 folks pretty happy about, you know, seeing that potential, the excitement that BYU has for being in this conference. It's mm-hmm. definitely palpable, and they were it was on display on Friday night. Mitch, we'll, ch- we'll chat with you again next week, man. Thanks for hanging out with me, as always. You bet, Alex. It's always fun. All right. B- uh, Big 12 talk every week right here on KSL News Radio and on the KSL Sports Zone and wherever you can find your fine podcast. It is first and 12, Alex Curie, Mitch Harper. We will see you next time, everybody. Eric, hitting all the buttons back in Salt Lake, doing all the heavy lifting. We appreciate him as uh, as he's been getting to know the program a little bit more. Love having Eric on board as well. We will take the long break here. We'll be back again on 1st and 12 next week, everybody.